0: Today's episode of the NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help with personalized service. Agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today.
1: Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? A lot
0: of news to get to, Robert Mays, but there's a big, big, big breaking story that just came across Twitter. You see it? I did not see it. I don't have Twitter open. Chad Henney is back. Wow. Designated where? to return to the Chiefs. He's been injured. That's why That's why Matt Moore was in, because Chad Henney wasn't available last week. Chad Henney is wow. now designated to return, and folks... If, can you imagine if Matt Moore ends up playing this week?
1: Play as well, and we have a backup quarterback. We have a controversy the first ever
0: backup quarterback controversy in Kansas City. Who starts after Patrick Mahomes? And maybe I love Andy Reid's bit where maybe Patrick Mahomes might play this week. This is incredible. We're going to get to that later, but there's a lot of a lot of great things happening in the NFL this week. <laughs> All right,
1: let's start with some of the trade news. As we've seen uh, over the last week, some stuff has come across the wire. The trade uh, trade deadline is next week. Let's start. With uh, one of the first trades of the week, and that is Mohamed Sanu going from the Atlanta Falcons to yep. the New England Patriots. They sent a second-round pick, which you have to assume is going to be in the 60s somewhere because yep. they're the Patriots. They'll go deep into the playoffs. With Atlanta, I think it makes a lot of sense. Their season is over, like we're going to mention a little bit later in the show. And Mohamed Sanu was probably not going to be back there next year. He was uh, His cap hit is was $6.5 million next season. No dead money whatsoever. And the Atlanta Falcons are going to be up against it. So I felt like he was definitely a logical cut for them to see, So to get a seventh round or a second round pick for a guy that you might have lost in the offseason anyway is a pretty good retooling strategy.
0: Yep. So a couple of things you need to unpack there. Number one is if you have a squeamish stomach, do not look at the Falcons cap situation. The next couple of years. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> Don't do, Don't not do it.
0: Don't do it. Don't look at it. It will give you anxiety. Now. Josh Gordon. He's on IR. Mike Garafolo reports this just a few minutes ago. Josh Gordon believes he's close to returning to play, a source says. So his IR designation today means he's likely done with the Patriots, but could be available for teams as a free agent soon. Very interesting. That's what Garofalo says. That's intriguing to me. So when they they add Sanu, and I think Sanu is a really good, he's been a really good third option in his career. and he's Reliable. Th- reliable. He's thrived in that. Is, was this an overpay? Uh, I mean, in a vacuum, yes, but not if it gets you a Super Bowl. This is the thing we talk about all the time. There's no such thing as an overpay if it gets you where you need to be, right? They and also it, have extra picks. They have two yeah. third-round comp picks coming their way, and my team traded them a
1: fourth-round pick so you picked David Montgomery, who was yeah. averaging three and a half yards per carry.
0: I did want to correct you when you say the Patriots would have been picking in the 60s. The, the Patriots, if they had that pick, would have traded it for five fourth-round picks. They would not <laughs> have it. been slated to picks in the 60s. Would have, I'm sorry. at one point held that pick and then traded That's it. That's lazy God language knows. by me. Yeah. So... Uh, I think it's an intriguing trade, but I think that the Josh Gordon news really changes this because I think a lot of the projections were, okay, how does Sanu fit into this, this offense? And now it's Sanu really actually has to be a bigger part than we thought. And I think that's, that's the intriguing part of it. I, I saw a stat that I, I really found interesting, which is that Muhammad Sanu, and this is, this is basically, I don't know why I was surprised by this, his 3.7 yards of separation when targeted this season is fifth best in the entire NFL. Which I think is really interesting. I mean, obviously he's, he's he's in the slot. They they you know I don't think the I think the Falcons' disaster season has obscured that the there have been parts of the offense that have looked good this year. Um, but really, you look at guy. I mean, uh, Hardman is number one in that category. My my rookie of the year pick, uh, Sterling Shepard, Danny Amendola is actually tied with him, which is intriguing when you consider the role he might be playing. Um, and so yeah, I think that Sanu can play a nice little role, and I, I like the move. Josh
1: Gordon you know, we have this image of Josh Gordon as this deep threat dynamic player that's stretching the stretching the field all these huge touchdowns in New England, he never really was that. You know, they were using him on a lot of in-breaking routes over the middle of the field, which is pretty much where you would like to use Muhammad Sanu. He's been a slot receiver in Atlanta, as those three receiver sets. So they're going to use him in that area in the same way that the Patriots have really leaned on Josh Gordon to run a lot of those routes. So it kind of is a swap that makes sense when you consider their usage, even though over time we would probably consider them much different players.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm intrigued to see if Garofalo's report, um, you know, how quickly Gordon could become a free agent and what that means. I don't know the machinations of it. Um, obviously, Garofalo is a great reporter, so we'll we'll see how that develops over the next couple of weeks. That could be an intriguing option if he really is, if he really is a free agent. Um, I, I don't know how that how that plays out.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about whether those bone bruises have bothered him for a little bit for a little while. Uh, He's been a little bit less explosive than I expected him to be this season. Again, usage, the way the role he's playing maybe hasn't gotten a chance to show that off like he would have in a different offense or he would in a different offense. He's only 28. I'd be really curious how much juice he has left for a team that really is trying to open it up a little bit more.
0: Breer reports that Josh Gordon ran 22 miles per hour on the treadmill today.
1: (laughs) This is some Patriots
0: chicanery, obviously. What? He has a minor knee injury. He ran 22 miles per hour in the treadmill today. If you, Robert Mays, what's your. What do you. If I could give you $1,000 to run your absolute maximum speed, what is it on the treadmill?
1: I have no basis of understanding this because the only. Thing we've seen with runner speed in recent years to me has been those NFL Next Gen stats. It's like
0: the I, it's like the, it's like the Raiders punter Johnny Townsend ran 50 miles per hour or whatever.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I am probably like seven. I'm not very. Impressed. No, I, I don't have a lot. No, of faith it's in like it's
0: like 11 for you, like a ma- I'm talking a max. I'm talking like max for like 15 seconds.
1: I was going to say 11 just because it would be half of what Josh Gordon can do. So that's probably fair. I, I have I, no idea. I
0: do not enjoy this. This I'm now thinking about running 22 miles per hour. And now I'm upset.
1: I'm thinking about running full speed at all. When I'm, I am don't upset. care. What? I
0: don't care about when like running the last outdoors. time you opened up the throttle like full speed. It's been a while. It's been a while, but I will it's say... Been a long time for I will me. say that if I'm running outside, I'm fine with 22 miles per hour. I mean, I'm not going to get there, but like, that doesn't give me anxiety. On the treadmill, oh my God, that would kill me. If you put me on a 22-mile-per-hour treadmill, it would Your knee would just me. explode. It, no, 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 no. I would fall off and go into oh, like, the back of the wall.
1: No, that's a good point. I yeah, your knee be would explode, violently and then your neck ejected.
0: Would crack. The best case scenario is my knee goes. The worst case scenario is I get violently ejected into something.
1: In order for me to run as fast as I can, you'd have to put something man-eating running behind me. Even then, some you're sort not of large close. jungle cat. Oh no, I'd get tracked down by whatever was chasing me in like two seconds. But if we're talking about top speed, that's as fast as I could possibly go right now. I would need that sort of motivation to actually get up and run as fast as I can.
0: Anyway, um point B, this started out as a as a conversation about Muhammad Sanu being traded. Um does this change anything about your belief that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl?
1: No. I, I thought they were the f- clear favorite before this. I thought I think they're the clear favorite after this.
0: Yep. I have a little bit more on that uh, later in the show, but let's get to Emmanuel
1: Sanders. So, let's talk about another NFC contender, and that is the San Francisco 49ers, who traded for a wide receiver of their own this week. Super intriguing move to me. They gave up a third and a fourth, got back Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth. Again, for Denver, Think make a I think it makes a lot of sense. Emmanuel Sanders was... Going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I'm not sure he would have warranted a deal that it would have been anything more than a – he probably wouldn't have gotten a third-round cop pick for Emmanuel Sanders. So now you get a third-rounder and a fourth-rounder next year. Makes total sense for the Broncos. I'm curious what it's going to look like with San Francisco's offense. I know that they had lacked high-end receiving talent. But I thought with the offense they were running, they may have not wanted somebody to come in there midseason and really have to learn the ropes and understand sort of the intricacies of it. But from a skill set perspective, Emmanuel Sanders is a fantastic route runner, great, yep. understand, great understanding of leverage, all of that stuff. I think he is a perfect fit for this team, and I'm really excited to see him in a high-end offense, even if his volume probably isn't going to be there when you consider the way that they play.
0: Yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has played – the last few years with some really crappy quarterbacks. You know, I think that he... And he's been awesome. And he's been awesome. And he's, he's like, in the last... Listen, he played with Ben Roethlisberger, and then he played with a, a not prime, but close to prime Peyton Manning. Okay, so no one's crying for him exactly. But uh, last few years, if you've followed the John Elway trajectory, you know that Emmanuel Sanders has not been playing with the best quarterbacks in football. Okay, so I think that you're going to have a little uptick when he's playing in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I think that this is a great trade. I think that it's great value for. I, I mean, I, I really. If would you rather have Sanu or Emmanuel Sanders? Emmanuel Sanders, very right. close. Right, and and this was essentially mid round pick swaps instead of giving up a second. And I think that there's. Um, well, Sanu could possibly not just
1: be a one-year rental. No, I understand. The Patriots that. could have Sanu at a relatively cheap price next year. Six and a half million for Sanu is not bad, and you have the flexibility of being able to cut him. With Sanders, you may lose him here in half a season. So, I feel like that probably plays into the equation a little bit.
0: Understood. Um, I think that that if this is a move to try to win a Super Bowl, um, and I think that there's probably other moves they could move, make, but I mean, they were really aggressive in the in the wide receiver market i think that they were in on sanu as well if i if i read that report correctly so i'm intrigued by this i think that he's he's a great fit in this offense i'm i'm all in on this particular move i'm, I'm all in on on the niners at this point they're really freaking good
1: we'll talk about them here in a bit i i feel the exact same way uh, emmanuel sanders was on track for let me do the math here very quickly because i'm curious about it sorry one, one, one sec. Emmanuel Sanders last season, before he got hurt, with an Achilles injury that should be hurting him more than it is right now, by the way. His comeback has been phenomenal to watch. He was on track for 1,156 yards with Case Keenum and whoever else was playing quarterback for that team last year. I guess it was just Case Keenum for 16 games. This guy is... It was. I was shocked to learn this as well. Only two other players attempted passes last year. For the Denver Broncos, can you name them?
0: Last year? Yes. Four others? Two. Only two oh, others. Two others, aside from Case Keenum. Oh, my God. I'm totally... Trevor Simeon was not on the team, right? He was in... No, it was there are no quarterbacks. Oh. It was one of them Emmanuel Sanders?
1: It, it is Emmanuel Sanders. He was one for one for 28 yards and a touchdown. Wow. The other one was Kobe Wadman, the punter. Oh, God. Well, uh, isn't it so funny that I just assumed that the Broncos trotted out five different quarterbacks last year? But instead, I, I, it was I, just Case I, I
0: had just implanted a false memory of just a, a dismal Week 15 game where it was just <laughs> someone too. someone I didn't know was still in the league. I, I was
1: shocked to learn that he was the only one. That, that is the biggest upset on this podcast. we like they
0: accidentally like sign, signed John Kitten or something to play in Week 15. Yes, like, that's I've how just, it's going for that. Planted that memory into my head.
1: Because it's probably going to happen this year where somebody random plays at some point, and then next year, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Yep. Uh, Diggs. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have a ton to say about this. I, I feel like for Seattle, it actually right. makes sense because they couldn't get much worse on the back end. So even for a guy that's been struggling this year, Diggs has had some decent moments in Detroit. I also, part of the, I think one of the more interesting developments from this entire deal, though, was the reaction that some of the Detroit players had, which I feel like that's something we should talk about when it comes to the player movement we've seen in regard to trades. Well, Darius
0: Slay immediately started tweeting about him when she hated it, Yes, which is a bad immediately. a Immediately.
1: And I think when you're Atlanta, when you're Denver, the season's probably over. For I mean, Detroit, their playoff chances are slim. I mean, probably slim to none. But they're still relatively in it. And they're also a team that made some moves to try to win now this offseason. The, mo- the messages you're sending to your team when you do stuff like this, I think it's a little hard to reconcile, and I think it's tough to communicate to your locker room. I'm not saying it wasn't smart for the Lions to do. I think it probably was. I also think that's some, those are some of the things that you have to kind of clean up when you make
0: moves like this. Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, I read a story by Kyle Minky, who's one of the really good Lions beat writers or a bunch of them, um, who said that rookie Will Harris's emergence made Diggs expendable yeah. in the li- in the eyes of People the Lions? Like him. But I think that when, to be honest, players are not great evaluators of talent. Let's get that of let's course get that out here before I say this. But when everybody on the Lions was tweeting like, "What the hell?" Uh, that's probably not good. They may not. It's think not They good. may not think that Will Harris is ready. Is what I'm saying. If you were and to read the tea leaves,
1: and we see, we've seen an uptick in. Movement with these trades. We've seen an uptick in trades, period. There are more of them now than there have been in recent years. You and I have discussed a lot of the factors as to why on the podcast. People don't view draft picks as being as valuable as they used to. They understand the hit rate with them, and a lot of teams are going for certainty, especially when they feel like they have a chance to win right now in what has become more and more a year by year league. Two, it's easier to fit players in. They're the growing cap, it's much easier, when, you, especially when you have a rookie quarterback contract, to fit some of these salaries in. Teams have been more willing to take on money. I also think this year, one of the more interesting aspects of this has been the amount of bad teams that we've seen. There are so many bad teams, and when it's a team like the Dolphins who's actively trying to be bad – there's a lot more trades to be had. I think it's going to be easier for really good teams to poach some of these rosters over the next week because there are so many teams by week eight that have absolutely no shot this season.
0: Yeah, and trades lead to more trades because that sets the market. I think a lot of times, and this this happened a little bit with the first-round pick stuff, is there wasn't really a price on a superstar And now there is a price on a superstar. It's two first-round picks. And now those guys like Jalen Ramsey can be traded. I think the Khalil Mack trader was instructive in this regard, etc. So... I think that there's, again, a lot of reasons. I think that teams realize that, I think Alshon Jeffrey was a good example of this, where teams were like, you know, we like this guy. Maybe we'll we'll give him a look in free agency, or why don't we just send a pick and give him one year and try it out? I know for a fact, I've talked to people with the Eagles, that was a real strategy of theirs for a handful of players, is let's just get these guys on rentals. Darby, rent. Jernigan. Yep, let's just get these guys on rentals, get him in the get them in the program, because bringing guys in from outside the program, can it, it's hit or miss. And that's why there was always this weird thing Thing about how free agency was was a bad thing because you were, you know, bringing guys into the system or whatever. But like, that's just, it, it's, there's always a risk, but being able to give one guy a year to figure it out or eight games to figure it out is really smart. I mean, there's a reason that the Eagles traded for Golden Tate. He didn't work out and then they let him go. Like, that's that's a smart move is, okay, maybe they overpaid for Tate looking back on it, but if Tate had balled out and was one of the best possession receivers in football, then it's a different situation, right? So I think that there's just teams are getting smarter, the rising cap, the idea that, you know, the Patriots and the Eagles and the Rams have learned, which is that you're only taking on their base salary. So you're totally fine with, with, uh, with the cap stuff. There's just a lot of reasons to really like the pick for player trade, especially when you are not giving up a lot. Um, a lot of front offices think the draft is overrated. I tend to disagree. I think that if you have a lot of draft picks, you can... You can do some good stuff, um, kind of the Sashi Brown model, even though you get to see that through. Um, but this is a generalized Cleveland model. But I think that if you're just taking low-risk flyers on guys, that's how you win Super Bowls. You, you you take a mid-round pick, get good talent for it, and and he plays like a first-round pick. That's, that's how you win a Super Bowl. The Eagles and the, and the Patriots have shown that.
1: I'd be curious to see whether or not the same thing happens with Emmanuel Sanders when you're talking about that half-year rental. The page, or the 49ers are up against it a little bit cap-wise next year, but there's a couple of logical moves for them to make to make some money. We'll see what he's worth. He's getting into his 30s. But if they feel like he's the right guy for them and they could be a contender next season with their nucleus, it wouldn't be shocking to see him back there. I feel like he's the exact type of receiver that Kyle Shanahan is absolutely going to love. Yep. All right. You want to move on? I do. All right, let's get to Take Shop. What is yours this week?
0: Well, it's off of the Sanu trade. So, Muhammad Sanu's all-time passer rating. What is it? It's perfect, isn't it? It is perfect. 158, four touchdowns in his career. He will line up next to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. On the other side, Tom Brady will be Julian Edelman. 118 passer rating. 25 yards per attempt in the regular season. Playoffs, it's only one completion, but that's 25.5 yards per attempt. He's a, he's a deep threat on the passing game. My take shop is that Bill Belichick with three guys who can throw, one of whom is the best quarterback of all time, two wide receivers who've had long, long success with the deep ball. I think Bill Belichick might, on about five play this, plays this year, get incredibly weird and give us the... The Belichick version of Taysom Hill, a little bit where it's like we're going to, three guys are going to touch the ball. And I guarantee you there's at least two touchdowns scored on these plays in the next 10 weeks. Five is a good number. I think that's a good guess. I'm, for go, I'm going, we'll I'm going, I'm going to go five plays run, two touchdowns. When is the first time they do it? Hmm. Uh, I think when they play the Ravens in two weeks. Not enough time to get it ready for Sunday. Um, who do they play this week? They play the Browns. They, okay. I'm, I don't think Belichick wants to unveil it against the Browns. I think he, I think he goes, I think he, he does it November 3rd against the, the Ravens. Do you think Belichick's getting a little soft in his old age, exposing that he
1: used that delay of game loophole in a game where they were winning by like 70 points and not
0: saving it for a bigger moment? No, he just hates the Jets, dude. He also just,
1: yeah. he also, that was my,
0: that was my theory in the moment. That's what I said. He loves crushing them. That's not much of but a even, theory. That's, that's established There's a paper trail there.
1: I guess that it was my reasoning in the moment yeah. for why he did it and why he had that smirk on his face. But I still
0: think that a younger Belichick would have had more self-control. Yeah. I, I disagree with that. I think a Bel- younger Belichick also hated the Jets. Um, <laughs> He was I mean he was smiling the whole time. I mean he he loved that. Stuff.
1: I, I you're probably right. You're probably right.
0: So I just think that, you know, I think two quarterbacks in the field or two I'm sorry, two people who can throw the ball in general has is probably the next trend. I think Press Taylor from the Eagles said said as much in in the offseason to one of the reporters, I think maybe it was Shield, um, that 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 is the next frontier. And I think Sean Payton knows that. We've talked a lot about how I think that Belichick has a fantasy of having a bad quarterback and what he would do with that and scheming that up. And so I think that there's there's a lot of possibilities now with three guys who can touch the ball and throw it at any time. Also, I I feel like Belichick's going to do the thing where Sanu or Edelman fakes throwing the ball and then just runs just to get it on tape. Sure. I think that makes sense. Well, little RPO, RPO with Mohamed Sanu.
1: <laughs> How jealous is Bill Belichick of Sean Payton right now? He's just longing for the deflate gating suspension. Do you think,
0: do you think that... Um, Knowing what we know now about Lamar Jackson, do you think that that Bill Belichick would want Lamar Jackson? I could, I'd, probably, I'd probably say yes. I, I always think back to the Tebow thing and how often, this is about just about running quarterbacks, how often, I'm talking about when Tebow was in college, not even when he was, like when he was in college and he was with Denver, Bill Belichick used to often talk about how much he loved like single wing football. And obviously what, what Lamar Jackson's doing is far, far, far beyond that. But I think Belichick is fascinated by the quarterback running game in general. I think he's always thought about sort of a dual threat type of quarterback. And so, listen, he's happy with what he has. If he, ha- if he wasn't happy with what he had, he would have you know, done the ruthless Patriot way thing with Tom Brady five years ago. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. But I think Bill Belichick just likes the idea of, of different types of game plans.
1: I agree. I, I think he's watching what Baltimore's doing right now with, kind of wistfully.
0: Yeah, man, a little, just a, I mean, And when we say wistfully, we mean like 2%. Like, yeah, he's think, happy, I'm sure he's, he's happy to have the best team in football that's going to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. But I'm
1: sure part of him is like, man, if you know what, if he weren't coordinating the best defense of the last 30 years, statistically, by the way, I, I don't, every time someone is like, who have they played, all this nonsense, statistically, statistically, they are the best defense of the last 30 years. Numbers are just numbers. I'm just repeating the
0: numbers. Anyway, <laughs> I think he's doing just fine. He's doing great. Bill Belichick's happy where he is. Having said that, having said that, Sanu throws two touchdown passes.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Okay. I feel after kind of looking at where the league is right now, and I, I, I say this with the Tennessee Tampa Bay game in mind. I think that a third of the, I think more than a third of the league, I think a dozen teams will have starting quarterbacks in week one of next season that were not the starting quarterbacks they had in week one of this season. This always
0: happens. Yes. I mean, what, what, what? Oh, not 12. We, di- this we year, did this there on weren't... the pod last year, and I said half. And, like, every single year, every, like, July, we're like, everybody is just said it. Everybody's got to plan But this year, that was true. Yeah, I said this this time last year. I said it because we're talking. It was when I think it was when Flacco was benched and just about how the day one starters in 2018 wouldn't be the day one starters in 2019. I think it happens more than we think. I think the turnover of quarterback is huge. I don't think it was huge this year, though. How many teams have different starting quarterbacks this season? Well, I mean, let's go through them. Qu- Redskins, Giants, Redskins, Giants. Well, the Giants didn't have one different one week one. Well, right, but they, in theory, they they drafted a guy. Um, Redskins, Giants, Cardinals, Titans. By now,
1: yeah, that's not what I mean, though. I, I mean, like they're they have a different oh. quarterback plan.
0: Oh, that's well, not, I mean, that's, that's, that's
1: not what I mean. The, getting benched is a little bit different. I mean, this is our new plan at quarterback, or at least it's a temporary plan. The, do-
0: the Dolphins, obviously.
1: The Dolphins, obviously. And then. Like the Steelers don't count to me, right? No, now. but
0: the, I, think the, I don't think the injury thing matters much. I think it's Denver? seven. Denver? Denver does. Denver, it's seven. Um, so anyway, the point being is that I think that. Oh, eight, Jacksonville. Everybody, right. But that, again, that's a bit of a gray area because is it is Has Nick Foles been benched? But Foles was different than last year. Oh, right, right. right. Sorry. But, yeah. but also, like, they might have a second new quarterback. They don't have a second new quarterback. Foles is eligible to return, by the way.
1: I know he is. That's going to be so fascinating. All right, so maybe 12 wasn't strong enough. I will, I will alter my take shop, and I will say half of the NFL. Great. I love it. Half of the NFL. Because I think so many teams are in play for this. Yeah, I don't think Oakland is as strongly as they were before because of the way that they've played with Carr. I think they've looked competent. I still wouldn't be shocked if they moved on. Oakland, Chicago, Pittsburgh is a long shot just because health is in question. I think Denver will. Cincinnati. I think I think Washington will. I think Miami will. I think Cincinnati will. I think the Chargers are strangely in play. Tennessee. Tennessee, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, again, because it might be Minshew next year. I think there are going to be a there's just gonna be a ton of quarterback movement next season.
0: I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um I think that that's just that's I think that teams a lot of times having a plan is really good, but sometimes the plan is bad. And sometimes it's Joe Flacco quarterback. Sometimes it's let's roll with Jameis Winston. Sometimes it's um whatever is going on with Tennessee right now. Although Tennessee looks pretty good the other day. I'm 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 getting sucked into Tennessee here.
1: I'm definitely not getting sucked into Tennessee, but they look well, I'm not significantly better in the Ryan Super Tannehill.
0: Bowl. I'm just saying that they I mean they could have made the playoffs last year. I'm just they're they're on my radar. They're on the fringe of my radar.
1: They're more interesting to me with Tannehill than they were before, because I think that he gives those receivers some juice, and I think those guys are still talented. I also think their defense still has a lot of good pieces on it. I like Dean Pease as a defensive coordinator. They also got Simmons back last week, and he looked like he could actually play. And when you consider the other players they have up front, I think that pass rush has some teeth now. So – I'll be curious to see what they look like. I, I think that they do have a lot of talent on the defensive side. I think that Mario was holding them back, and I think that they're more interesting with Tannehill. I will concede all of that. That being said, I think even though we have seen a lot of turnover in recent years, if the Bears move on from Trubisky, if the Bucks move on from Jameis, and if Mario moves on from Tannehill, that is a changing of the guard in terms of how teams think about the position and how long they're typically willing to stick with these guys. Because even if Miami moved on from Tannehill this offseason, it was after a contract extension. We have not seen teams move on without giving these guys at least one more year, typically, on the end of that deal. And this would be a change with that. Poor Mariota. It's rough, man. I mean, he's been given very few chances to succeed. But like I said, Tannehill simply looked better than him last week. It's only one week. Could absolutely be a mirage. But I feel like the Mariota thing has run its course.
0: And now it's time for the State Farm Safe Bet of the Week, the player you can count on. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. Robert, we want to focus on Russell Wilson against the Atlanta Falcons, who make everybody look good, but Russell Wilson's looked as good as anybody in the NFL, so this is a match made in heaven.
1: It really is. Russell Wilson had a down week last week against Baltimore. It was raining. Uh, The circumstances were not great. Lamar Jackson was running all over his defense. This is the exact right time to get right. There's no better team to play against the Falcons when you need to pick me up right now. They're 31st in the league in scoring defense at about 32 points per game. They have really gotten teams back on track all season, whether it's the Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals offense. They are currently 31st And passing DVOA. Great. Outside of the lowly Miami Dolphins, I cannot imagine a team you would rather play as a quarterback right now. When you spent most of this season playing better than any quarterback in football, I think Russell Wilson is going to have a nice, nice day.
0: Yep. The Atlanta Falcons are one and six for the first time in 12 years. Bobby Petrino was their coach last time they had this bad a record through seven weeks. The fewest points they've given up in the last three weeks has been 34. (laughs) <laughs> which is not not particularly, not particularly good. And beyond that, Russell Wilson makes everything that is very hard in this league look easy, okay? He is second only to Patrick Mahomes in throws that just make you say, wow, he won't have to make those throws this weekend. There is no pass rush being generated by Vic Beasley in the pass defense of the Falcons. The defense can't stop anybody. They have coverage breaks all the time. All of the hard things Russell Wilson's asked to do each week will not be asked of him this week. He'll have a very, very easy week.
1: The only thing that you'll be saying wow to during this game is just how bad some of the moments are from the Falcons' defense. They screw up so many simple ideas, simple plays. When receivers cross at any point in the field, the Falcons act like it's never happened in the history of football. It really is remarkable when you consider what that defense was supposed to look like with Dan Quinn now running it as their head coach and defensive coordinator. They screw up even the simplest tasks. They screw up screw up even the simplest tasks. And Russell Wilson is by no means a
0: simple task. State Farm talk to an agent today. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Did you know that socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters? Bombus is on a mission to change that. They created the most comfortable socks in the history of feet, and for every pair of socks purchased, bombus donates a pair to someone in need. In fact, Bombas has donated over 20 million pairs and counting. Designed with special comfort, innovations, colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, bombus are perfect for the whole family. They're made from super soft natural cotton, and every pair is designed with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned foot bend that's supportive, but not too thick. Their new merino wool socks are designed to be breathable dry and never itchy with just the right amount of thickness get your hands on a pair of bombas socks and your feet will thank you save 20 percent on your first purchase when you shop at bombas.com slash ringer nfl that's bombas.com slash ringer nfl to save 20 bombas.com slash ringer nfl all
1: right let's get to the games let us start with the panthers at the previously mentioned 49ers This is a fun game. I, Josh Allen, excuse me, Kyle Allen will be starting for this team, which I feel like is not shocking. It it wouldn't have surprised me at all to see them, but go back to, or to see them stick with him this week. I think that going back to Cam Newton would probably be a mistake. Uh, He's probably not fully healthy. And the way that Kyle Allen's playing right now, I feel like his best game of the season was against Tampa Bay before their bye. And I'm just not sure how you yank him.
0: Yeah, um, I'm with you. Um, again, we've had this conversation a million times. It's all hypothetical because we don't know what Cam Newton looks like right now. We yep. don't know what Cam Newton would look like on Sunday. We just don't – if we say, oh, is 80% of Cam Newton better than Kyle Allen, is 70% and 60%, it's just unknowable. Those percentages are made up, and we also just we've – we're guessing – you know you guys this is not exactly news but you know NFL teams are not always forthcoming about injury stuff and so we never know how banged up a guy is and a lot of times that leads to sort of unfair results for the player or the team when they they say oh or they where they cover up an injury a little bit or whatever so again we don't know what an injured Cam Newton will look like this Sunday because we just don't know what the percentages are and what that percentage looks like having said that i'm with you um i think Kyle Allen is the best answer i think they're probably i mean they're going on the road against a really good San Francisco team. And so I just I don't think, you know, injured Cam Newton or healthy Kyle Allen is going to matter much. I don't think so either. I will say
1: I know for a fact they love Kyle Allen right now. They're extremely happy with what he has given them for good reason. He's not only had the results on in the win-loss column, but the way he's playing the position is really impressive for a guy that has only started a handful of games. That being said, he is going on the road and playing what has been the second best defense in the league this season and would be the best defense in pretty much every year for the past decade through half of the
0: season. Sheffert tweeted this the other day and I found it fascinating. The Niners are the fifth team in the Super Bowl era to start 6-0 or better after winning five or fewer games the previous year. Two of the other four teams, the 88 Bengals and the 99 Rams, got to the Super Bowl. It has been a very long time since the team has made this dramatic of an improvement year to year. And I understand The quarterback injury thing. Quarterback injuries can derail anything. But this is just across the board improvement independent. It's the defense, man. It is the defense. It's how much better the defense looks. The the
1: offense looking like it does doesn't shock me whatsoever. Some of the schematic stuff they're doing is a departure from what they've done in years past. I feel like Kyle Shanahan is doing maybe the best job he's ever done as a coordinator. That includes the season he had in Atlanta. That Atlanta team was loaded. This San Francisco team has lost both its starting tackles. They don't have a lot of talent at wide receiver, and they just keep on moving. They had a terrible game against Washington last week in a downpour. For the most part, though, their plan has been excellent. Even when you look at tiny, granular elements of it, they have a lot... Jimmy Garoppolo has the 20th lowest uh, pressure rate over the last three weeks in the games after they've lost McGlinchey. He also has the 20th fastest... or excuse me, the 5th fastest time to throw... Over that stretch, they're getting the ball quickly. They're leaning on the running game. They know exactly the right buttons to push with the talent that they have right now. What I'm really curious about, though, is what how they're going to kind of play with Kyle Allen here, because what the Niners have done such a good job with this season, after going back and rewatching a bunch of those games, is disguising coverages. They've done a great job of making one thing, making it look like one thing and going to another. What Kyle Allen has done a great job with over the stretches that, or the stretch he's had this season, is throwing with anticipation. He's reading the hips of defensive backs. He's understanding exactly where he needs to get the ball to instantly because his arm isn't such where he can wait that long. I think they get him at least once or twice in this game because they're going to bait him into some of those throws because they know he's letting the ball go at the moment he sees something because he has to. And I think the Niners know that, and I think the current way they're playing – really meshes well with taking advantage of that.
0: Robert Sala is intriguing to me. Not only will he be a head coach candidate and almost certainly a head coach if he wants it after this season, but he was on the Gus Bradley Jaguar staff. He is by far the only good thing to come out of that. That (laughs) He was the the linebackers coach. I remember talking to That was one of the most depressing staffs ever, or like depressing tenures ever. He was there for three years.
1: Yeah, but he had Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, and they did some good things. I think that, you did know. some okay
0: things. That was, a bad, yeah. that was a bad era. They were not good. They were not good. That was not good. Um, where, where would you I, – I, this is premature. I don't want to get anybody angry. Um, but if he's the top candidate for a head coaching job, where would you want to see him? Oh, oh I don't know. I don't even – I haven't even decided who's going to lose their
1: jobs yet. I mean, maybe Atlanta. Eh. I think it'd be hard to go to an odd with a defensive. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Coach. That's what I was gonna yeah. say.
0: Um, I mean, Dan Quinn was kind of was kind of that the hot. Defense it's odd though because
1: that's true. But usually, when you switch, it's because you switch to a defensive minded or offensive minded head coach. That area of your team got better, and the yeah. other area got worse. So yeah, you have yeah, to overcorrect. Yeah. With the Falcons, the opposite is true. So it's I don't know. It's not like most situations when teams might be changing coaches.
0: Yeah, uh, are you are you into the Jim Harbaugh thing at all? I don't know.
1: Do we really think that's an answer?
0: Uh, I, I guess was, maybe. He's a really good coach, but it seems to yeah, be a short-term. I don't problem. know. It seems to be a short-term deal. I feel like not like, that most of the worst you, teams in the league
1: just got new head coaches. Yeah, I know. So I'm just not sure where the movement is going to be this year. I'm I'm curious to watch it. There's no way Robert Sala ends up being the head coach in Washington.
0: That's correct. Nor would he take it.
1: No, he shouldn't. So it's
0: just hard for me to project who's going to have a new head coach next year. It's tough. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking at some teams. I'm I'm not going to say them out loud, but I'm looking at some teams. All right, yeah, next game. I, all right, let's get to the Eagles and the Bills uh, in Buffalo,
1: where I currently am right now. I was outside. I've never been to the, to the stadium in Buffalo today. I was there for the first time yesterday. It's very it exciting. It seems nice. Very yeah, exciting. it seems nice. I wish I could go for the game. I can't, unfortunately, but – The Eagles coming to town. The reeling Eagles, as Doug Peterson said this week, his team's upset. I'm glad, Doug. Seems
0: like they should be. Josh Allen, top passing grade. This is PFF tweeted this out this morning. I can't stop staring at it. Josh Allen, it's it's, it's amazing. Passing grade on short to intermediate throws in the entire NFL. Lowest grade on deep passing. That's quite a surprising statistic in a lot of ways.
1: I don't want to give this away. I don't want to give too much away. I may or may not tease. have talked with Josh Allen oh, about wow. this exact subject over the last couple of days. And he said some stuff that I'll be writing about a little bit later and I don't want to throw out there right now, to, you know, not in t- too much detail. But they did a ton this offseason to work on his mechanics on those shorter throws. And you could say whatever you want about PFF or stats lying everything. I went back and watched a lot of his games yesterday in preparation of talking, talking to him. And I saw a lot of the throws he was making in that area of the field. And there are some impressive throws. I mean, he has been really accurate in that area of the field compared to what he was last season. He's been terrible throwing the ball down the field. And we're talking about just overthrowing guys by 10 full yards. But he's done a great job of cleaning up some of the stuff he needed to. When it comes to the short and intermediate throws, he's been fantastic on throws with guys on the move going right from left to the sideline at about that 12 or about that 16 to 22 yard range. And he has worked on that throw more than any other in the last year. You're seeing him incrementally improve. He still has a long, long way to go. But I feel like if you're trying to see what you want in a quarterback, from his first season to his second season. 15 starts into his career. It's only been 15 starts. There is reason for hope with Josh Allen where there wasn't necessarily with some other quarterbacks that may have had success with their teams, that their offenses may have been looking a little bit better, but the quarterback wasn't playing quite as well.
0: I- I've been impressed with him this season. I really have been. I kind of feel like the 2018 draft class is just, we're just going to keep rearranging the pieces for like four years. And then, and then a couple I'm not of guys... Willing to-
1: I'm not willing to away. rearrange the pieces yet with any of them. I don't think... It's way too early with Darnold. You don't think Darnold. Lamar
0: Jackson is better than some of these guys? No. What? You don't no. think... You'd rather have Josh Allen than Lamar Jackson?
1: No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I am not ready to say that Lamar Jackson long-term will be a better quarterback than any of these other guys.
0: Well, I, I I don't, I mean, I'm not willing I, to say I, with I, anybody. I, what about Josh Rosen?
1: That one I'm willing to say. Okay. The four guys that currently have jobs... With their franchises and probably will long term. I'm not willing to make any definitive statements I I, on it. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna put Baker to the side right now because he's been so inconsistent that I, I still believe in him because of what I saw last year. I still believe in Darnold too, though, but, man. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. But I, 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 think Darnold could be a good quarterback. But if you're, if someone was, if a genie visited the Jets French, the Jets owners right now and said, "Would you take Lamar Jackson right now for Sam Darnold?" They would probably say, I "Would take Lamar Jackson."
1: Right? I think they'd do it for the wrong reasons, though.
0: Which is what short-term
1: gain? Yeah, short-term gain. It's exciting to put asses in the seats. I I've been having a lot of conversations with people about quarterbacks recently, and people have people that are much smarter than me have said some stuff that's really kind of made my ears perk up. And one of the things that's come up over and over again is this idea that quarterback longevity is not about strengths; it's about weaknesses. It's about how few weaknesses you have, and about how good you overcome. How good are you at overcoming the ones you do have? And I feel like what we've seen with Lamar Jackson, especially as a passer, is the spectacular. And we've seen the strengths. And they are strong. And they are undeniable. But I am so curious as to what all of these guys are going to look like when teams hammer their weaknesses over and over again over the next one to two years. I have the most faith in Lamar Jackson right now as being the viable quarterback option, but I am not willing to rearrange the pieces quite yet or have a pecking order when it comes to what these guys are going to look like in 2021. I'm just not ready. Right. It no, takes so way too we'll, long to we'll, get there.
0: What we're in agreement on is that these, are, these pieces will just be kind of up and down for a number of years and, yes. and, and we'll have a definitive ranking in you know, a long time from now. The way Lamar Jackson is affecting the game is amazing to watch, but I don't know how sustainable it is just because I
1: don't know how defenses are going to react. I hope it's sustainable. He's doing something I've never seen before. I think him being good is pretty sustainable. I think it is too. I think the way we're going to see him be good may be tweaked a little bit. I don't know the answer. I have a lot of faith in him. I think the highs are so high that I just believe they can continue. But again, I just think it's going to take 30, 35, 40 starts for us to really understand what these guys are long-term. I really do.
0: Uh, I agree, except I'm pretty sold on Lamar right now. That's all. All right. I'm sold on him right now. This is awesome. I
1: just, I'm not going to make definitive statements on the quarterback class anymore. It's just not worth it. Okay. Let's get to our third game here. Kansas City, excuse me, the Green Bay Packers heading to Kansas City to maybe play Patrick Mahomes? What
0: do you make of this? No, stop. Okay, it would be, all right. Andy Reid is really, really smart, and he's not going to risk Patrick Mahomes a, year, a week after he breaks his kneecap, dislocates his kneecap in a game like this. And I think that he already had it would the be ankle. Really stupid. He already had the ankle injury, now he's got the kneecap injury. Those things are related. We live in a post Kevin Durant world. Injuries lead to other injuries. We've we've known this for a while. Uh, what he's doing, the smart part of him, what he's doing is he's making Green Bay prepare differently. Yes, and they don't have to prepare. So now you have to prepare for Matt Moore and maybe a Patrick Mahomes, who's throwing in practice, and maybe little Chad Henney. I want. I would love to just see that meeting room this week where the, the different. It's like okay, we're great. we have to do like ten percent preparation for Patrick Mahomes just in case. And then the difference between preparing for Mahomes versus preparing for Moore or even Chad Henney.
1: It, it's been a big week for them in non-Patrick Mahomes injury news, though, because they're getting a lot of guys back at the right time here. If they get Fisher and Wiley back having to go against that Packers defensive line, I feel much, much better about Matt Moore being able to do something against this team.
0: Uh, I agree. Um, I think that Matt Moore is, he was a scout three months ago. So let's not, let's not, you know, it's not. I don't exactly have a ton of faith. A, a I just Moore think it's, hive. it's more possible. Um, M-O-R-E possible. Not no pun possible. intended. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think the Packers are are rolling right now. And I think that defense is I think good. so too. And I think you're going to, you would need Patrick Mahomes anyway. Um, I'm going to chalk this one up to a Packers win, barring something I'm unforeseen. I have a piece coming out about the Packers tomorrow. I assume
1: this podcast will run after that story goes up. I was up there a couple weeks ago and I was really going to I was going up to write something about the defense for the most part and about how they have built that defense in a way they haven't built teams in a while up there, you know, spending money in free agency, bringing in outside talent. And what I found up there was a franchise that just feels completely different than it has every single time I've been up there in the past. You know, you and I, the entire time we've covered the NFL, the Packers have more or less been the same team. Mm-hmm. They've had the same coach, they've had the same big name personalities, and they haven't had many free agents that they've brought in there. You know, when I was talking to Aaron Rodgers about this, the first names he brought up in regards to Packer free agency were Ryan Pickett and Charles Woodson. That was 13 years ago. Yep. They just don't do it. And what the Smiths and Amos have done, not only with the way they've transformed them schematically, that place just feels different. And I know we can overstate this stuff sometimes, but it's little things, like the way they've changed some of the practice traditions, the way they've changed some of the entertainment stuff at Lambeau. Lafleur literally renovated areas of the stadium that have been the same for the entire time those guys have been there. And these guys aren't people that – Think about this stuff, Will and Ellie. These are guys like David Bakhtiari and Rodgers and people that have been there for years telling me this stuff. And Blake Martinez said he's never had more fun playing football than he is right now, ever in his entire life. The guy's been in the league for like five years. This is, I think this is his fourth season. They have a, a feel to them right now that I have never seen since I've been up there. And I think the actual
0: on-field impact of it has been real. I think they have good players in the know like McCarthy anymore. But I think the vibe vibe here's the deal. There are a lot of smart people. I remember Peyton Manning used to make his uh receivers and his offensive linemen go golfing with him. I wrote a story about this a couple of years ago. And he would teach them golf if they didn't play. And he just what he wanted to do was get them used to his I don't know, his his style, which is that he's going to yep. micromanage, he's going to get maybe chirp at you a little bit, whatever. He just wanted everyone to get comfortable with Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning said at one point, he says, that can win you a game at some point. It's just, you know, being close or being understanding or having chemistry with your with your teammates. And I think that maybe it's just a game, but in the NFL, that's important. Maybe it's just
1: a game, but you and I have been in locker rooms in recent years where it does feel a little bit different. I think the the Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, was an example of that. I think there are times where you can really sense it. And I think the Packers have something really special going right now. Adrian Amos said something really interesting to me. It was in the same mold. He said that we just can be more honest with one another. Because we're so used to communicating with each other because we spend so much time together that it doesn't feel out of the norm for me to say something to somebody. We we all know that there's just this ease of communication. It does have real-world applications. It's not just some touchy-feely thing where we're trying to talk about something that's so nebulous it's not worth considering. This stuff really does have an impact when you kind of take it in totality. All right. Very quickly here, buddy. What is your sneaky truth?
0: We're running out of time. Uh, Sneaky truth, I just want to rant for a second. I saw a really good tweet from Michael David Smith the other day about how everybody seems to rip the Patriots' schedule apart and say, well, the Patriots' defense, they're historically good, as you said, Mays, but they haven't played anybody. And then they say the same thing about the Niners. Well, they haven't played any good quarterbacks. At some point, this isn't... Like, okay, the Dolphins and the Redskins and the Bengals are not good teams. First of all, the Patriots and the Niners have not played the Dolphins every week, and they've not played the Redskins every week. They have played NFL teams. They've just made them, uh, mind you, Sam Darnold, who the Patriots just destroyed on Monday night to the point that he's now saying he sees ghosts, beat the Cowboys the week before. Cowboys are a pretty good team, okay? So you can only play who's on your schedule, and at some point, just ripping the schedule and saying that neither the Niners nor the Patriots have accomplishments that matter because of their schedule, at some point it just makes you look weird, and you should stop doing it. Because, okay, if if right now, if if six games is their limit and both those defenses fall off the cliff after this week, I'm fine with that. No problem. It was a small sample size. They were just beating up on good teams, bad teams. But if they keep going like this, just stop talking about level of competition i think that there's these defenses are really freaking good this is an era saw a stat the other day the average quarterback rating is like 94 which is like higher than you know all the greats of like the 80s and 90s That like would never dream of being the average quarterback as far as statistics go this this uh this year okay and that's just been true since 2011 mediocre quarterbacks keep rising 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 passer rating and so the average NFL game has bad quarterbacks playing like great quarterbacks statistically. And the Niners and the Patriots have not allowed teams to do that. That's the difference. They're making bad quarterbacks look like awful quarterbacks. And that in and of itself is an accomplishment. No, they're not playing Patrick Mahomes every single week. I get that. But what they're doing is a different type of accomplishment in and of itself And those defenses. should both be celebrated. Stop talking about the schedule in that vein.
1: I could not agree with you more. We're going to skip geeks out today. I feel like me talking about Kyle Allen reading cornerbacks' hips and making throws off of them was definitely geeky enough. We did some geeky stuff. Kevin, do you have a take for the Thursday night game?
0: Uh, The Thursday night game is a Kirk Cousins revenge game. I know. It's great. Adam Thielen is not playing. I don't think it matters. That's going to be a big loss. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is going to throw for a lot of touchdowns. It's a Kirk Cousins and Case
1: Keenum revenge game. But like we were talking about before with all the quarterback movement, there's a reason there's a revenge game every single week now. It's because more players are on the move. This is not an accident. We're talking about it all the time because players are getting kept around less as veterans. There are more trades. People are going younger. Quarterback movement is happening more often. There actually are more revenge games now, which I think is a fascinating point that we can get into Maybe on Sunday night. But for right now, we do not have any more time. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll talk to you later.